It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. My goal is to help you find ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, and you can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So it's really important to me that the information I give you is useful for you and is stuff you can act on, and most important, is stuff that you can trust. And there are times that you feel let down by me. And that's terrible, because this is not like a normal talk show. This is all about your and my empowerment through knowledge. And so when you feel that I've missed the boat, missed the mark, or failed to serve properly, I want you to tell me. And I've got a place for you to do it on Clark.com that's called Clark Stinks. You can go post where you feel that I failed, came up short, was misguided, gave bad advice. Others can read what you posted. They can comment on it. They can say, hey, you know, I remember when Clark did blah, 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 and write about that. And then weekly, our producer, Krista, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares her favorites with you right here. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. I hate it when you say they're my favorites, but... Well, okay. (laughs) Is it not true that when people write something that is clever and shorter that it's more likely that it's going to make your list yeah, to read? If it's too long and in-depth to read, I won't do it. But um, but yeah. I really, I pretty much read all of them if they're not like that. There are some frustrated novelists who write yes. <laughs> a little too much content that is sometimes. True. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Clark. I've been listening to you since I was 16. I'm 44 now, not trying to make you feel old. You are getting better with age like a fine wine. My friends always ask me financial advice. I can credit listening to you for being so knowledgeable. But Clark, you totally missed the mark on a caller that called in about a $10 Home Depot card with a MasterCard logo. This is not really a credit card, but a rebate. Instead of companies mailing customers a rebate check, they issue these rebate cards. The customer probably purchased some paint that was on sale, and he received the rebate card in the mail. I'm not saying you stink, Clark, but you might need a shower. That is fantastic. I appreciate that post so much, because in that call, what I thought I was hearing was that the caller had received a new card for his Home Depot credit account, and that it had gone from a store account to a MasterCard And I never thought of the angle you talked about, that it was just a form of a rebate from Home Depot. And if I blew that one, if I missed it, I apologize. Boy, isn't that what Clark Stinks is all about, right? Yeah. This is great. My social security account and credit freeze. Clark, not much of a stinker, but I don't remember if you mentioned that you can't set up a my social security account if you have a credit freeze. They don't really tell you much when you try to set it up, but a security freeze will cause an error. I think they use Experian, but I have not tested that. Steve. Steve, thank you. And, and yes, uh, you know, that's come up several times about my social security is that if you've done the credit freezes, which I recommend, then social security won't allow you to set up the my social security account to then prevent somebody from, well, it doesn't prevent somebody from 
taking over your Social Security benefit, but it prevents you from being able to monitor what's going on with your Social Security account. And there's so many different angles to the Equifax data breach that are going to keep coming up. And the Social Security angle for people approaching age 62, particularly if you are 62 or older and not getting your Social Security check, it's really important that you set up a My Social Security account, even if you have to thaw your credit to do so. And I'd love it if, Joel, you could check to see which bureau My Social Security draws on so people would only have to thaw one credit file in order to set up My Social Security. Clark, I'm researching quotes for home insurance and went to Amica first. While speaking with an agent, he asked some prying questions about owning firearms. He wanted to know how many, what kind, and if they are kept loaded. He also asked where I keep and keep them and proof of ownership of my pistol. Is this all informa- information necessary to give? It seems very invasive. Help with respect, a responsible gun owner. Well, thank you. And let me say something. I've always said about Amica, and I say it not to offend people who are Amica policyholders, but Amica is really interested in dull people with dull lives who drive dull cars, meaning that they don't want surprises, they don't want enhanced potential liability risks, and so being insured by Amica, uh, you have to fit in their tight box in order to make it into their co-op. So they don't want, with the members they already have, to take on enhanced risk. For whatever reason, their underwriters have decided that guns are an enhanced liability risk. And I don't know if that's true overall, but that's something that they obviously feel from what you have said. And I want to go back to the thing about my Social Security. So according to Joel's research, apparently they use Equifax. <laughs> Oh, that's that's really worthwhile. They use Equifax, and so you'd have to thaw your Equifax file in order to set up My Social Security. Okay. Uh, Clark, you're a great consumer advocate and educator on most things financial. However, your zeal to help consumers get great deals via Clark Deals newsletters and ClarkDeals.com seems to encourage them to spend more, not less, by buying things they don't need because it's a deal. Doesn't this contradict your your motto to save more and spend less? Also, the daily Clark Deals newsletters I receive have no unsubscribe feature, please add. And they do have an unsubscribe feature. You just have to look at the bottom. We absolutely have that on there. If you don't like it, you should definitely fire us. So forever, with any of our newsletters, before it became common industry practice with e-letters, is that what you call them, e-letters, emailed newsletters, before that even became a common thing, I insisted that we had an easy way to unsubscribe or to reduce the number of times we contact you, and that is something that we will never change, that... I only want to serve you with information when it is valid and valuable to you with the frequency that you desire from none to as many times as you want. On the issue of the hypocrisy that resides within me, I am guilty as charged. So 
I'll talk about, you know, you got to make sure you save this money. You got to make sure you do this, that. And then I'll say, there's this unbelievable airfare deal. Like there is one today to Australia from a lot of places in the country where you can fly to Australia for about 700 round trip. But anyway, I digress. I get so excited about the deals that there are times that I send what can feel like a mixed message to someone when we have all this deal information and then at the same time my core mission is to try to get you to avoid temptation to spend money on lifestyle so you can write your financial ship so it is tr- it is true that that I am uh, complicated that way and I don't wish to ever put anyone into financial hardship because I get you too excited about a deal on Clark deals or one of these travel deals or whatever. Clark, thank you so much for the service you provide for your listeners. Full disclosure, I'm a financial advisor who focuses on retirement planning. I've found that the advice I give to my clients is often exactly in line with what you say on your show. However, I had an issue with a topic I heard discussed on the show. A caller in the process of retiring asked for advice on what to do with his 401k that he did not need to use as an income source. He stated that he had met with several financial advisors and that they all had suggested an annuity as a part of his retirement portfolio. Your response was that this was financial malpractice, in quotes, for any advisor to recommend an annuity to someone who didn't need income. First of all, I will not deny that like all professions, there are bad financial uh, there there are financial advisors who are bad apples. It is very possible that some or all of the proposed annuities could be inappropriate for this caller's circumstances. However, it is extremely short-sighted to assume that all annuities are created equally meant for income. I have clients who do not need income who own annuities that provide market participation and downside protection with no annual fees. The only cost to these contracts is any market gain above the performance cap. I would appreciate it if you would acknowledge that the annuity landscape has shifted and annuity companies are having to be more creative with the products that they offer. Also, you'd be happy to know that the, that DOL regulations have caused at least my firm to decrease the commissions paid to advisors for annuity sales. Thanks for the service you provide, but I sincerely feel that you unfairly paint all financial advisors with broad negative brush. There are some of us out here doing good work for our clients. No doubt. And I appreciate the sentiment that you expressed. So the problem that I face here on the microphone is that there are a lot of people who go to those sales seminars that teach them how to trick people into taking their money that is well put where it is and putting it into these ultra high commission annuities and I have to paint with a broad brush so that I can slow down put sand in the gears before somebody uh, believes somebody and makes a bad decision so when you hear me paint so broadly and condemn an entire product area like annuities it's because I really have to to get the idea in people's heads. It's like when I say, we don't allow cussing on this show. It's a family show, but I'll make an exception. You can use that cuss word annuity on the air to try to get in people's heads that for the most part, annuities are poison to their financial future. And that's why you hear me say it in such stark and broad terms. I got to 
Capital One finance, uh, Capital One credit card per Clark's advice for use in Europe as I travel there often. Imagine my surprise when I got home and found out that the exchange rate in my transactions was about 10% worse than I could get at the banks while there. Could be better to pay a, much better to pay a transaction fee and get a good exchange rate. I guess I will have to continue using cash until I can figure out a better way. All right. So I have never, ever heard that complaint about Capital One. And unless Capital One has changed uh, that they're using what's called banker's buying rate, which is the wholesale rate for currency transactions each day, unless there's been some change, uh, I, that sounds like a fluke. I, I have no explanation for that because Capital One, like several other issuers, uses the official banker's buying rate. And that's what would happen in transactions involving millions of dollars and or millions of euros or whatever. And that's what uh, a big financial institution like Capital One would be. They play in that ball yard, which is why historically you would get such a fantastic exchange rate. So I'm very surprised by what you're saying happened to you. Clark, a caller called in to ask about paying for college costs for PA school. He said he would be reimbursed after each semester. He asked about federal or private student loans. You recommended a HELOC as the loans would be short-term in order to minimize fees and interest, but you failed to mention the best solution. He should take out a single federal loan for the first semester. That loan should be interest-free until he finishes his degree. When he is reimbursed for his first semester, he can use the money to pay for the second semester and so on. That way he takes out a single loan and pays it off when he gets his last reimbursement check. He should have no interest and no payments required until six months after he finishes school. And he will not put his home at risk if something happens during school. Brian. Brian, that is a brilliant idea and would work just as you said if the borrower qualifies for a subsidized Stafford. But even if the borrower qualifies only for an unsubsidized and interest accrues, the amount of interest that would be charged would be quite reasonable doing exactly what you said, and that is a wonderful idea. So I appreciate so much that you take the time. I know it takes time and thought to compose what you write on Clark Stinks, and we all learn together. This show is all about us helping each other out, and in a country that is divided and so raw I love that we offer an environment where we all are just here together supporting each other. Philip is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Philip. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Philip. You would like to be out of debt extra quick. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, I, I'm familiar with some of the other techniques of for paying off your mortgage quicker, like... Uh, making half payments or an extra payment a year. But when I was searching online, I saw something that was advertising being able to pay off your mortgage on a 15 or 30 year loan in five to seven years using a HELOC. And I didn't know if that was. That does not compute. Oh, I've been looking forward to that. I, nobody's asked me about this me? in months. So you ready for what they have you do, Philip? I'm listening. All right. So we are in the worst possible circumstance for this idea. 
Because the idea is you take your fixed rate loan and you turn it into one that the rate floats every 30 days. And we're in a time that interest rates are headed higher. So how they get you to pay off your loan so quickly is you have your paychecks go into an account that is like this floating rate HELOC, and so your mortgage balance keeps going down. But the whole idea is that you're all about paying off your mortgage but ignoring everything else in your life. And you're going to a floating rate instead of a fixed rate. What kind of fixed rate do you have? Uh, 4%. All right. So you don't want to give up that 4% to go in a floating rate HELOC that probably has a starting, maybe a teaser rate. Do they tell you it's 2.99 or something, or where do they start at? No, they didn't tell me the rate. Okay. So the rate, uh, once whatever teaser would be over right now, it's probably right around four, four and a quarter. And then as the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates it controls, that HELOC would steadily rise. So there's no magic to what they're promoting except in times of the opposite. Where when the rates are going down. Right. So if you're in a high interest rate fixed rate and floating rates are on a downtrend, that's when the math of this might work. But okay. in a time like now where there's uh, good money that people have, long-term low rates, you don't want to give up that to go into a rate that's going to be higher and more volatile than the fixed rate you have. So there's, uh, you know, when rates are doing the opposite, Philip, there are rare circumstances where I say this could work. But today, there's not a person I can think of that would benefit from one of these merged accounts or whatever you want to call it, where your checking account and your mortgage loan are wrapped up all in one. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com's our main web address, ClarkDeals.com, where you go to save money every single day of the year so we're coming up on a time of the year where people who get health coverage from their place of work are going through the benefit cycle was known as in corporate ease as open enrollment and so open enrollment is not affected not changed at all by the debate in washington about how self-employed individuals or or, uh, families are going to get their health coverage, people who don't get it from work. The enrollment for people who work for an employer where they give you a benefits package in, in print or you go to a website and you see the choices of benefits, that will continue exactly as before. And what is changing with the employer health plans is the um, the cost for employers of providing health care is going up at less than the rate of medical inflation. And the reason is employers are choosing to cover less of our health care than they have in the past. Because, you know, for employers, they've got compensation expenses. 
and that's your salary, and that's all the other uh, payroll taxes, all the things they have to pay that are part of you being an employee. And then if you work at a place that provides benefits, that's a big number for them. It's not at all unusual for an employer that provides benefits that the benefits are an effective cost of for every dollar you make, another 35 cents that you don't think about the employer's paying is going to benefits. So they've been cutting back on how generous the benefits are with the consequence being that you've got a couple of things happening. One is the deductibles that have been going up for years continue to go up at employers. And in addition, employers are using greater and greater degrees of restrictions. And at the largest employers, you'll have a choice. You can accept a higher level of deductibles in return for a lower employee cost share on the health coverage, or if you wish, take a higher premium in return for lower deductibles. But then there's another area, and that's this area of restrictions. And employers, in order to try to hold down their costs, are adding tighter controls on who you can go see, what medical facilities you're allowed to go to, what hospital you can be seen at and treated at. And the most creative among them are offering incentives for you to go to places that cost them less, and so in turn, they save you money, many times with some inconvenience. Now, the area you'll see the greatest change for 2018 as you do open enrollment this fall on medical is going to be on prescriptions. The cost of prescriptions is going up at more than double the general medical inflation cost. And so employers who traditionally with uh, prescription benefits, that was almost like a throw-in they didn't even think about. Now, with so many maintenance medications and with the big escalation in prescription prices, employers are seeing a bigger and bigger hit. So the formularies, what are called formularies, are getting much tighter. And so employers for low-cost generics are making those at some places free and at others so cheap that it's almost not a consideration. They're so inexpensive. But you start moving into brand name drugs and you're going to find more and more for next year that are not included on the formulary, meaning there will be no employer-provided coverage for those meds at all. And so that is something that is a factor. Now, again, depending on how big an employer you work for, you may have a choice of an HMO plan that would cover those meds. But whatever is important based on a chronic condition you have, most people fill out their open enrollment paperwork, either generally online, but do so within five minutes. That's how much time you devote to it. But if there's any chronic illness in your family, these things I'm bringing up, you've got to pay attention to and read thoroughly. 
and then moving away from health coverage, do not buy life insurance from your employer. Do not buy life insurance from your employer unless you have a pre-existing condition that would exclude you from buying insurance elsewhere. Because group life insurance is far more expensive for you if you can medically underwrite having your own policy. You're much better off having your own level term insurance policy than getting it from your employer. And disability insurance, if your employer offers it, buy it, buy it, buy it. Because during your core working lifetime, you are many times over more likely to face a disability than you are to die during your key working years. And people will tend to consider buying life insurance, but not by disability. They work hand in glove. Having both of them are so important. And if you are a high income earner at a place of work, and you're offered the option of an HSA-eligible plan, almost always that HSA-eligible plan will pay off for you big time over your lifetime to go HSA-eligible and contribute as much as possible to the HSA your employer has made you eligible for. Melanie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Melanie. Uh, hi, uh, thank you for taking my call. Certainly, Melanie. Uh, I wanted to ask about long-term care. Um, I, I feel my husband and I should be doing something about it, but I'm really not sure what the best thing to do is, whether you recommend long-term care insurance. Uh, somebody talked about an annuity about a week ago, and then I read about annuities on your website, and that kind of scared me off. Um, so I just wondered if you could share any thoughts you have, please. Well, the industry's changed a lot. And so there are different ways that people are trying to deal with the risk that they'll need long-term care, assisted living, nursing home, care in the home. And the industry has become much stingier because they faced much higher losses on long-term care policies than they expected. So if you buy an actual traditional long-term care insurance policy, the premiums are not guaranteed. So over the years, they could actually go up, Melanie. And I'm sorry to ask a lady this question. How old are you and how old's your husband? I'm 56 and my husband's 62. You are at the perfect ages to look at and purchase a long-term care insurance policy. The exact right time for you to be looking at it. So is that just like straight insurance? So what it does is with traditional long-term care, you buy coverage typically for three years or five years of assistance with the activities of daily living is how it's worded. Okay. And there are, you have to have a number of things you can't do for yourself anymore that trigger the benefits that a policy has. So you buy it for a three-year window or five-year window, and you buy a daily benefit. And then you buy that daily benefit with typically an inflation adjustment built into it because, you know, costs rise over time. 
Uh, neither of you may need this for 30 years or 20 years. So the cost of providing that daily care could be, will be significantly higher 20 or 30 years from now than it is today. And that's why you buy a policy that allows for the built-in adjustment as inflation adds to the cost each year. So those are the most important elements. You buy it, used to be able to buy a lifetime benefit. Now you look at three or five years, you get the inflation adjustment, and you figure out how much your budget can afford of an initial amount for a daily benefit. But would that, I mean, would they increase the premiums? I mean, could they... Yes, and they've done so in the past when premiums were, the actuaries messed up and made the premiums when people bought the policies way too cheap. People have faced horrendous premium increases. The industry, if anything, has gone the other way with new policies, and there's much better numbers they're relying on based on experience and although they can raise the premiums over the years we're very unlikely to see the massive premium increases moving forward that people have seen in the recent past okay so what how much typically would that cost a month or is that not something that you're well it depends on the insurer you buy from and how much daily benefit you buy but usually you're going to find the premiums to be somewhere between uh, starting off $2,500, $3,000 a year. Okay. Now, that's one option. That's the traditional option. Now, you mentioned the annuity option. The one that more often I've talked about as an alternative is a life insurance policy option, where you buy a whole life insurance policy that has a rider in it that you have to pay up front to buy the policy, so you have to lay out big cash up front, but then you own it, and the benefit is guaranteed. If you never need any assistance, then it becomes a traditional life insurance policy with death benefit. If you need it for long-term care, then it triggers a payment of whatever amount of coverage you choose to buy Typically, people will buy a quarter million dollars worth of coverage for assisted living. But it doesn't inflation adjust or anything like that. Okay, so which would you recommend? Well, my recommendation, if you can afford it, is do a traditional policy. And look specifically for an insurer that is a mutual insurer. That when you have a policy, you're an owner of the place. So they're only trying to make it work for their policyholders and not worrying about stockholders. Okay, okay, that makes sense. But you have to lay out, like, a lot of money. Yeah, and you may not ever use it. That's the thing. That's the conundrum here with long-term care insurance. Depending on whose stats you believe, you have a 50 to 70% chance of needing it once you've reached the age, uh, specifically of your husband, 50 to 70% chance. And so that means you could be paying premiums all these years moving forward and never use it. But if you do use it, the value of it is virtually priceless, enormous. 
It's not the easiest product in the world to buy. You really have to shop around, and at first you'll be more confused before you really find something that you have peace and comfort with. But most people never buy long-term care. And I never even addressed, and I will very quickly, Melanie, you need it if you have assets, you have money, but you're not a multi-multi-millionaire. If you don't have anything, you don't need it. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jim. How's it going? Uh, Great. And you? Wonderful. Thank you. Jim? I I really enjoy listening to you. Well, thank you so much. Jim, you're worried about what demons may be lurking in your digital life. Yes, I have an Android phone. That makes you a very smart, independent kind of sort, who's careful with your money. Well, maybe. (laughs) Everybody else in my family is all Apple, all the time, everything. Tablets, laptops, phones, and I'm sitting there all by myself as Android men. Well, I just, uh, believe it or not, I just uh, went from a flip phone, which I've been fighting not to get one of these phones, but uh, I have no choice. The thing is, I'm looking for an app uh, that that will keep it clean uh, from all the junk and viruses that are out there. And I looked online, and there, I mean, there must be 50 of them that I can find, and I don't know which one to buy. Let me, well, there are lots of them you can get for free. If one if one is really good that works for free, I'll take that. Uh, one I like for you to try is Lookout, which Lookout? is extremely popular. Okay. And the Lookout app, uh, most of these operate on what's known as the freemium business model. They give you basics for free, but if you want fancy, they're going to charge you for it. Do I need the fancy? Uh, I I don't know. I have Lookout, and I've never paid for fancy. Okay. But I want to give you some others as well. Um, oh, by the way, Lookout will help you. If your phone gets stolen, it'll help you locate where it is. Or if you just lose it, it'll help you find your phone. Okay. Uh, another one that's uh, that's very popular is C Cleaner. The letter what? C. Yeah. Like CC, C-C-L-E-A-N-E-R. So C and Cleaner all crammed together. And I think those are probably enough, but there are, there are a number of others out there, but start with those two. And okay, they kind no, of I, work they kind of work in tandem with each other. Okay, so you, I should put both of them in. Yes. All right, and that and that'll keep my phone from from being uh, hacked. Well, well hacked. the idea is to keep it as safe as you can. I'm not going to say in this era we live in, I'm not going to say that you're 100% A-OK. I'm going to say you're mostly protected. How's that? Uh, that works, I guess. Now, if I install these, uh, do I run them manually or do they run automatically? They give you the choice generally. Oh, okay. Awesome. So you can set it up where it'll just every so often do an automatic scan. Okay. And it, uh, like in the case of Lookout, when you add a new app, they scan that app for you to make sure the app is okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so a lot of neat things that they do. Great. I will get that installed. All right, Jim, and you have a great day. 
Hey, thanks a million, and keep up the good work. Thank you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you tuning in to The Clark Howard Show. And if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well, we have our Empowerment Zone. This is where you get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives or things they've done to accomplish. Go to clark.com slash empowermentzone.